Welcome to another episode of Bees in Your Face, where I, Hunter Arias, sit down with my dad, Dr. Robert Arias, to ask him many questions pertaining to my life and hopefully many others. Today we decided to talk about relationships, particularly finding the right partner for you. Now, Home Skillet Big Papa has always told me uh, growing up to have a, a set criteria uh, upon which to draw when deciding whether or not somebody is the right fit for you. So I wanted to expand on that and see if I could extract any more wisdom from the man himself. Pardon the slightly wonky audio quality on this one. We recorded it with some different microphones in a guest bedroom in my aunt's uh, condominium down in Marco Island, Florida over the holidays. So uh, there's some fuzz in the background and we sound kind of tinny, but hopefully it's not too obnoxious and you can follow along just as well as you usually can. So thanks again for listening and here's episode three on finding the right partner for you. Today I want to talk about finding the right person um, because there are a lot of psychological aspects, of course, that go into that um, as well as some mitigating of emotional reasoning. Um, which I know we've talked about a lot before. So uh, you often talk about how you have to have a set uh, criteria going into dating or looking for a friend or a partner, somebody who would be a soulmate. Um, this is what you've told me most of my life. And so um, before you get to the questions that you're going to ask them when uh, learning about them and, and trying to figure out if they are um, what you're looking for, I, th- I feel like you probably have to ask yourself some questions about what you're looking for. So what are some questions that, um, that one should ask themselves when working out criteria for the optimal friend or partner? So relationships are, do well if they're a good fit, okay? So it's not necessarily just an objective set of A, B, C, and D, right? Um, if those things aren't you, from a value standpoint, then it's not going to be a good match. Okay, so if, uh, to pick a, a funny example, like if I'm if I'm a con man, right, and I, I'm not going to pick somebody who's honest and has problems with con men. I'm going to pick some a woman who's a con woman. Yeah, right? Bonnie and Clyde situation. <clears throat> right, exactly. It would have that was a pretty good match, um, probably. Um, not that the, it didn't end well, right? Uh, but in terms of the relationship going on, um, it will go on probably for a while until something dramatic happens like it did with them um, because it was a pretty good fit. Um, so I think knowing yourself first is really important. Knowing yourself meaning knowing your values. Yourself is the aggregate or the total collection of all of the, the values that you subscribe to and you want to know the most important ones. So. Things like kindness and re- respectfulness and honesty and reciprocity, um, you know, where you want to, the reciprocity meaning, you know, there's a get an, sort of an equitable give and take um, in uh, the currency that we uh, exchange, right? Um, like if I, 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 I get paid, I give you a service, psychological service, and I get paid for that service, for example, right? That's the, uh, the currency for you is psychological information. The currency for me is the money that I get paid to do my job. Right, right? yeah. Um, so in relationships, we have different currencies as well. Um, so like in the years of classic mid-20th century, um, 
heterosexual uh, marital situation. The woman gets uh, things paid for by the man who's the breadwinner, and she cleans things and cooks, right? And so there's different currency that's being exchanged. So you want somebody who's going to be giving you the currency that's most satisfying for you. Um, you might hear about this uh, referred to as a love language. Um, uh, so what I want from you that shows me that you love me, uh, that I interpret as love action, is whatever it happens to be. Right. Who coined that term? Where's love language come from? I don't know. There's corny books written about it that I've never <laughs> yeah. read, right? Um, but that's basically the idea. It's like my love language. If you speak my love language, you know, you give me flowers, and that's part of my love language, right? If I, if it's not, and I hate flowers because I think, why, why'd you kill a flower or something, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm like, ah, I hate that. Don't, don't give me that. Okay. If it's jewelry, you know, um, as a gift um, example, then, uh, like my. I, I, I think jewelry is an awful gift, right? For my value, right? It doesn't yeah. do anything for you. It's not a functional thing. It, you know, whatever. It might keep its value, I guess, which is the only thing. But for sure. I don't really get to use it's like It's not like a bike that I can use or something like that. So it wouldn't be, if somebody else said, well, I, I want jewelry, I would go, man, I'm not sure that we're that great of a match, you know, or I want cigarettes because I'm not a smoker, right? Yeah. I love cartons of cigarettes, right? <laughs> <And> <laughs> right? On the first day, you just bring her a bunch of cigarettes. Oh, man. Thanks, honey. I, <laughs> I knew you. you were going to use them anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so speaking the same language is really important. Yeah. Um, I know when I met your mom, you know, we got married like four months later because we completely spoke the same language, and we've said so many times over the years, she would grew up in South Dakota. I grew up in Miami, Florida. How did we learn to speak the same language, right? How do we have such yeah. the same values? So my question would be, should you come to every first date or every interaction that where there is potential for there to be some weighing out of and love language? There always is, right? Yeah, there, there always, always is. is. There always is. So should you come with the same thing every time? Should you, you just come speaking your signified love language, or should you try to... Uh, maybe be a little bit uh, malleable, you know, and, and go with this for one context and something else for another. So, you know, in psychology, we talk a lot about congruence, right? Where you uh, manifest yourself uh, in the most important ways, the same way in all kinds of situations, right? It mm -hmm. might look a little bit different because, you know, we're at a football game versus we're at a church or we're in a business place or something. So, you know, we're not like standing up and cheering and whatever. Um, but, um, you know, we bring the same respectfulness and kindness and honesty, all that kind of stuff to everywhere that we, everywhere that we are. So I think knowing yourself and bringing that in a congruent way, like if you, I've thought so many times, or, and I've said sometimes, if my kids were to see me here at work, um, they would say, oh yeah, that's just that, you know, that's <laughs> just the way that that is all the time. Yeah. He's kind of goofy and says stupid things sometimes right. that don't, aren't that funny that he thinks are dad jokes, you know, and he says <laughs> things like that. <laughs> like you asked me one time, Dad, when do you cross over to tell dad jokes? You know? <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't know. Um, but that's just me all the time. Right? right. Like you're the same person behind a microphone that yeah. you'd be in real life. Right. So I like, I like, you know, we went fishing today, right? And we didn't catch a whole lot, but we went fishing today. You fish with a bait that will catch you the type of fish that you want to catch. So we fish for sharks over here a different way than we fish for snook and other things over here, right? So when you're meeting people, um, you want to fish with the bait that will get you what you really want, right? Um, now, that being said, people generally will present 
only fragments of themselves in all kinds of situations uh, and only the fragments that will get them what they think that they want and the, the, the key phrase in there is what they think that they want uh, not what they really want right what they think that they want is somebody to uh, be attracted to them and whatever but if they're not letting the other person know who they are then the person is going to be attracted to something that's that's not accurate right yeah and that's gonna have that's gonna those those um cows are going to come home to roost um at some point um and we we're going to discover that like uh, uh was it may west one of those like mid 20th century bombshell actress type people <laughs> yeah she said um you know they go to bed with basically the actress and they wake up with me right mm -hmm. at some point they're going to wake up with you right yeah and then now we're going to have to rework this whole thing and that's why you know i appreciated your mom so much because it was just her right mm -hmm. uh, and i i always when i was your age in my 20s teens 20s whatever i i always felt like i had no game with women right because i wasn't there i was like missing something um because it was just like hey how are you let's hang out i, I you seem nice let's get to know each other yeah and I, what i wanted was somebody to say hey yeah you seem nice too let's get to know each other Instead right. of like doing the whole game thing, right, um, with playing hard to get and cat string theory, where you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I guess it's sometimes I come to um, that comes to a head for me because I feel like I'm not presenting myself as somebody who has any value if I'm not using those tools. You know what I mean? Yeah, like one of the things in Neil Strauss we're referring to in the game, uh, that book, and that they made into a movie. I never saw the movie. <clears throat> they, I, wait, they made it into a movie? I understood that there was a movie about that. Really? Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, I, I've never seen that. That's just what I've heard, so I could be wrong about that. Imagine some C movie with D actors. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought Tom Cruise might be in that movie. Whoa, no way. I don't know. We'll have to check it out. We'll I know he was in the book. Yes, he was in the book, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. He he amogged him. He alpha male yeah, yeah, right, right, right. He right. dominated Neil Strauss <laughs> yeah. right, apparently twice, I think. Yeah, that's crazy. If I remember correctly. Um, anyway, what was the question? Um, the question was, uh, how do you present yourself as having value if you're not using any of those right. sort of manipulative techniques? Sure. So, so they, he, Neil Strauss talks in the book about part of the part of the process when you meet a, a target, right? Uh, somebody that you're that you're wanting to get um, to know better um, is you have to establish value. Right, and so they would have all these garbage ways of establishing value, and I'm not criticizing, and I'm not saying that it doesn't work, but in terms of the substance of yeah. uh, of the value that you're creating, like, like doing magic tricks, yeah, and... doing a magic trick is okay, you know, yeah, um, making people laugh is important. Oh yeah, know? for sure. Um, so if you can, make it's never been laugh. something I'm very good at, which is part of the reason why my genuine personality, I don't think, comes off as having value well, to begin with. We'll ask you a question. Do you think that's a fit issue? Right? If you said what you think is funny and somebody else was like, ha, that's hilarious. And you're like, dude, we need to hang out. Well, my, my problem is I, <laughs> I've, I value humor a lot as well. You know, the things that make me laugh are, uh, I make myself laugh all the time. Right. And I don't feel like many people have the same sense of humor that I do. And I'm, it's going to be a hard sell if I'm using my sense of humor on the average girl that's out there that's my age. Well, let's let's just get things something straight to begin with. Okay. Finding a good match for you as an individual equally the same with anybody else is a hard sell. 
It's it's tough. I mean, how many people have I ever? I'm 52. How many people have I ever met that I would marry? Right? One. Yeah. I've yeah. only met one. So it's it is a tough sell, man. I mean, and given that, it it is difficult for most people who, if they're authentic and genuine and not just play acting for everyone around them mm-hmm. to find someone who who really matches well with them. Um, it's just the, the task just got so much harder if you're not being your authentic self. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're going to wake up later with somebody and go, I don't know who you are or get to know them over time. Like so then the only thing that you'd have to uh, deal with is your own loneliness from waiting for so long to find somebody. Right. I mean, it's 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 uh, uh, it's tough enough as it is. And you'll run through enough people like Homer Simpson told Lisa one time. When she liked some other boy, that she was just <laughs> yeah. a remember that oh yeah what was she was a she's a practice girl a practice girl right <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. so you you date a lot of practice people you meet a lot of practice people like people that you just sort of um, go through your your maybe a spiel to some extent or your um, use your method of getting to know people and you know you expect that it's going to fail a lot I think that's useful like the another fishing metaphor is. You know, you expect. Uh, we went. You remember when we went fishing in in Minnesota, up there? Yeah. Um, I was and we fished for pike, and there was muskie in that lake, right? Right, right, that right. Stuff. Yeah, that's and, very deep in my memory. That's one of those fishing trips I don't access that often. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I remember reading an article before we went there, and it said that up there, um, the, that you catch a muskie um, when you're fishing for muskie. You catch a muskie like one out of every five hundred casts. Holy crap! Right. That's what the article said. Yeah. Um, And I was like, well, okay, all right, well, let's just bargain for a lot of, like, empty cast and retrieve, cast and retrieve. Right, But with But people take it very personally. Um, If you cast and and you don't get anything, you get rejected. Uh And I'm sure there's a lot of muskie out there that see the thing go by and don't come and bite on it, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. And the same thing with meeting people and dating with friends or or dates or romantic relationships is there are going to be a lot of people who... um, who um, reject that? Um, uh, I used to. I think for most people, it feels like a rejection of you. But then it occurred to me one time, like me being my values and all that stuff. They don't even know me, right? They have no. And I, 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 I felt really not smart um, in not realizing what obviously these, all these other people realized was that we're not a good match. Yeah. Right. I was like, yeah. why don't I recognize that? Well, you were saying that you've broken up with multiple uh, females, uh, but you've never had anybody break up with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I was the guy that got broken up with. Really. M- more times than not, most especially earlier, most of the time because yeah, um, I I just didn't realize that that I just get over the honeymoon phase too quickly, man. You know what I mean? And beautiful. I think that's great because then there's somebody that you don't get over the honeymoon phase with. Right, right, right. I'm right. almost 27 years into your, <laughs> my marriage with your mom, and I'm not over the honeymoon phase. And you know what give, You know what gives you that ongoing? Respect, right? Respect yeah. for the other person. And again, that's where love comes from and like for other people come from is watching them behave and saying and, and understanding that their values are such... Uh, whatever they are and you respect those values mm-hmm. right um, and uh, you don't get tired of that person like your mom and I frequently have 
love attacks for each other we call them yeah right yeah. you've used that term my entire life and I, it's yeah, fantastic because we have that she, she actually misspelled that in a text one day for me that she was having a love attack for me or it auto corrected it to lab attack <laughs> right and so oh now we text each other sometimes and it makes us laugh in addition to having the love attack it's a lab attack you know, our inside <laughs> nice. joke yeah. and then some cool emojis or whatever mm -hmm. that illustrate the, the love kisses and hearts and stuff like that um so it never gets old. That is the secret to, to having a relationship that lasts, right? Is you meet somebody and you vet them out as somebody that you respect who they are. You respect their values and that's a keeper. And that never gets old. Right. Well, you know, we, you, you talked about this a second ago, but it seems like um, there's very little emotional reasoning that goes into choosing somebody. Uh, it's not like a guttural thing. It's more like a you match this criteria that I've already um, organized before this. So where does emotional reasoning play into something in, as inherently emotional as love? You know what I mean? Sure. Well, I mean, people have their uh, like their anxieties about being alone, right? And so they're looking for anything that they perceive as a reasonable lifeboat, for example, like to get away from the abusive dad and the unhappy household. Right. You know, and then they're gone. Right? So they're not actually looking for somebody who's substantively a quality person. They're just looking for somebody, their bar is is off or just low, like somebody who hasn't hit me, he has a good job, um, and uh, and he's not my mom and dad, and he'll let me live with him. Okay, let's go. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's just not um, uh, obviously helpful. It's not going to work out well. Right. What, what, what would you have to say to those... Um, it's it's often girls, but I'm, there's a guy version of this, I'm sure. But girls who are like, you have to have a car and your own house and a a, a job that makes over six uh, digits a year, uh, six um, figures a year, uh, and um, I don't know. They have this like, and you have to be over six foot, like a ridiculous set of criteria that um, they're making guys. Uh, uh, work towards when they don't take care of themselves at all you know right, what I mean exactly so so you get what you buy okay so if you shop for a car that goes 0 to 60 in 3 seconds um, and looks really shiny and the styling is really great or whatever but the engine is is like the reliability is terrible mm -hmm. like I look at some of these high-end cars as I like to shop for cars I hardly ever buy it buy them but um, and you, they sound great or whatever. And then you look at, like, if you were to get consumer reports or something and yeah. look at the reliability of the car, um, they're terrible. I like the black circle uh, <laughs> symbol that's completely filled in with black, which is, like, the worst, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, reliability. And, like, no, I don't like... So if you pick on those criteria, it's like eating potato chips the rest of your... or ice cream the rest of your life. Something yeah. that, like, is super sweet and you think it's going to be good, but... Um, I remember I got this email like 20 some years ago um, and it was, you had to scroll, it was just a big picture and at the top it read, and I probably told you this before, it read reality, big big words, big letters, reality, and then you've page down, page down, and it's this beautiful woman wearing like almost nothing, okay, and you go all the way down to the bottom and you're like, yeah, right, reality, right, that's how most women look, right, and at the bottom the caption read, somebody somewhere is tired of dealing with her shit. Yeah. Right? For sure. Right. Okay, that's reality. So if you want to pick on those, you you probably will get those, right? Mm -hmm. But 
will you be happy? Are those things going to be nutritious for you psychologically and emotionally in the long term? Of course, you have a high likelihood that they're not. Right. But you have to like what you're looking at. But it's very helpful to like what you're looking at, right? But you just understand what the priorities are because as you get older, um, you know, I mean, you can take care of yourself and that's hopeful, obviously, right? Very helpful yeah. um, in terms of um, um, not looking like garbage, right? How you, your fitness, your nutrition, you're not smoking, we're not alcoholics, you dress well, right? Whatever. Um, and that's helpful, right? It's, but, it's, but it's an expression of self-respect it's not superficial, I just want to um, impress everybody else, right? right? And there's not a whole lot of substance to me. Those should be, those should happen. I mean, they're right to happen because they're good decisions to make uh, all those things. And it results in somebody who ages better, right? Than some, but at some point, you know, kind of we all get old and, um, you know, the, um, the package doesn't look as great anymore. And how do you still feel honeymoon-like with somebody um, when they don't? You know, do you, uh, do you, uh, quote unquote, trade them in for a newer model, right? <laughs> no, you can't. Well, you know, I've told your mom, look, if you can upgrade on me, I'm giving you my best, right? And I don't mean this <laughs> yeah. as a jerk. I mean, I'm really, yeah. I yeah. love you. I love you too much to want you to, to like dumb yourself down. And if I, and if I'm not, um, up to par and maintaining myself in the ways that make you actually genuinely love me. <clears throat> and you've talked to me about it, and I'm not responsive to that. Don't don't stay with me, right? Go if you can upgrade on me, go upgrade. I want the best for you. Yeah. What's that Jack Black movie where he gets hit in the head or something, and then he shallow how shallow how? Yeah. yeah right. Uh, is that practical? You know, if you got brainwashed to not care about what somebody looked like, would you be happier? Well, it's. You, you you probably would be happier, but the problem <laughs> is you do see what they look like, right? And a yeah. woman that, a woman that, I mean, somebody who, um, uh, any person who um, is that, uh, is, uh, treats themselves so disrespectfully. Yeah. Right, like that. That's I mean, kind of what I found too, you, you know? You have some, like as a non-smoker, for me, being with somebody who is a smoker, mm-hmm. It's just something fundamentally different in our values. Yeah, for soul, sure. Right, for sure. Um, so, well, Jack a Black's a chubby guy in that movie too. So you know, it makes sense if he would date larger women, right? Because they probably treat themselves the same way. Right. So if so if like again on the fit issue, if 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 uh, two people have the same value of, you know what, one of my passions in life is food. Okay, and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna overeat and eat wrong things like unhealthy things disproportionately yeah. my entire life. They might be very, very happy together, but if you took one like opposite person from like uh, food is fuel, um, I'm a fitness oriented person, I don't value that that much, it's just not something that appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Like art, I mean, somebody's like, I love art so much, abstract art, Picassos really speak to me. <laughs> and the other person's like, I don't get that guy, what happened? Is that a child that painted that, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. That fit thing is really important. So. Um, as the two 500-pound people um, go through their lives eating and eating and eating and enjoying that, it's going to get complicated at some point because they mm-hmm. have adult onset type 2 diabetes, <laughs> <laughs> right, for Wilford Brimley. Yes, reference. of course. Um, and all the strokes and all of the heart attacks and things that come along with that and the insulin and the, you know, the kidney issues and all of the stuff that comes along with that, right? Yeah. So, okay, that's that's what we did, you know, and like I, I evaluated a 
a uh, a murderer uh, recently, and I, I have, it's a horrible person from an ethical standpoint. And I said, were you were you um, do you regret any of the things that you've done? And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I had a ball, right? So has it does that end well? No, doesn't end well at all, right? So you have to pay the piper at some point for the things that you do because the universe does work on cause and effect. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but um, the fit is really important. But I, I, I think, for me, I think good values that result in not complicated future any more than it had to be, right? Yeah. Um, and good match with someone else um, is, is going to fit my eye the best. Right. Nice. Yeah. Well, I have one last question for you. Yeah. So as you know, I'm a huge music nerd, and I have a ton of emotional satisfaction that comes from learning about and listening to and uh, ingesting all kinds of different music and you're, sounds. You're an audiophile. I'm an audiophile. Yeah, yeah. One could say I'm an audiophile, which is one of the reasons why I love working on Pro Tools, you know, on my DAW and making podcasts, and it's just everything about it just is is so heartwarming for me. Um, but as the evidence says over and over and over again, girls are more interested in people and guys are more interested in things. And the girls that I've dated in the past uh, generally are super into music to the same extent that I am. But it's, it's hard for me um, to find somebody who I resonate with who doesn't enjoy music in at least a similar way that I do or has a similar passion for that specific thing. Um, but it seems like, if I'm thinking about it logically, such a superficial thing. You know, just my my vague interest in music. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, that's what I was going to say, is music is the small picture. It's the small music picture, Music is the right. superficial thing, right. So how do, I, how do I get over that superficial criteria that means that is has so much gravity to it you know on the surface for me you, just you, going into it yeah you understand that that's the small picture that is absolutely inconsequential it's not even on the radar screen for people that you're shopping for right right relative to other things for sure right those other values uh, that you're looking for in somebody right uh -huh. uh, like one of the things <laughs> I thought about your mom first was you know, no matter what happens, two things. One, she's going to give me her best. Yeah. Right? Number two, whatever happens to me, she'll be a good mother to whatever children that we have. Right? And she will give them her best. That's not that she's perfect or whatever. Now, from your mom's standpoint, what's your mom's biggest passion? Cycling. Yeah. Bicycles. Right? And would, how, how would you rate my passion for bicycles? It's maybe maybe a three compared to the rest of the things that you're passionate about. Yeah, I I ride. Yeah, right? I ride some, um, and for me, bikes were like getting from point A to point B. Like they were transportation when I didn't have a car. Right, right. Um, so I, I I do value fitness, as you know. I work out almost every single day, um, but bicycles per se. Um, I've told your mom if she could be married or buried with a bike versus with me. I think it'd be a tough choice for her, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, she loves bikes. How much do you think it matters to her that I'm not passionate about bikes? Probably, it doesn't mean that much. It doesn't mean that much. You have a similar passion uh, for fitness, though, and I think that compensates a little bit I do. for that. I do, right, but it doesn't have to be about 
the bike? Or what am I passionate about? Uh, golf and lifting and, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. As Similar far as things. Yeah, as far as hobbies go, golf. I love to play golf. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's a golf primarily. It's a love hate relationship. We should do one on golf, but we on golf one day. Yeah. Golf's like the borderline personality disorder well, girlfriend. No, well, golf is like the perfect sport for a psychologist, in my opinion. Yeah. In golf see. golf is, is the best metaphor for all kinds of things yeah. about living yeah. that I've ever known. I bring up analogies about golf to all my friends who don't know anything about golf because it, it just is like if you the the one that I use all the time that I struggle with personally is if you visualize uh something going wrong, you hitting it into the lake, you're gonna hit it into the lake. Yeah, you know true. what I mean. Yeah, that's right. So Great. always, always visualize yourself doing good things, like success, right. and then you'll um, embody whatever it is that exactly. you're picturing. Yeah, you see the shot, be the shot, be yeah. the ball, Danny. Right. Anyway, well, thanks again, man. Uh, we kind of got uh, digressed a little bit at the end there, but no, it's I was... great. Always talking about golf is good. <laughs> but just understand that that the music passion is is way down the list of anything that you're looking for. Your yeah. mom plays golf. Um, but she's not passionate about golf. She right. says to me, she says, she has said, I love golf. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't love golf. You like golf. Yeah. Right. In the same way that I don't love bicycles. Right. I like bicycles. Bicycles yeah. are a really effective and really cool machine, effective way to get a, a no impact workout, um, or to get you from one place to the next or vehicle to have fun. Right. And yeah. in some ways, right. But passionate about the bike, man. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, she had bike stuff everywhere. I got her a, a face mask with this whole COVID thing mm -hmm. that's white with red polka dots on it, like King. I thought I got that for her. You did. I told you to get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at my suggestion. You yeah, and your suggestion. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, know, know yourself. So the summary, I think, is know yourself. Know, uh, know what values you bring, the things that are important to you, right? Uh -huh. And the most substantive things that are important to you as well. Not. I like music and I like to ski and I like to fish or golf or bike or whatever. Um, those things are can be nice, right? Because doing things together um, is nice. The, the classic sort of um, what kind of things do you have in common question for relationship yeah, shopping, yeah. right? And most people describe superficial things. Well, I like to do this and I like to do that. And that can be very nice because then you can do some stuff together. But it won't be the stuff that keeps the relationship hot over all those years for right? sure with a lot of respect because there's a lot of bicyclists and golfers and and um, whatever that you would go that's a terrible person mm -hmm. right um I, I like to think tiger wood may, my woods maybe has grown some and i don't know tiger woods and to sort of judge him in his personal life but you know clearly you know with what all the stuff that he's ad admitted to doing um what he had, he had some issues right yeah um, and I, I again I, I would like to think that he has um that he's grown some from that and you know you see him lately in videos with his son and they're so similar or whatever it seems like an involved dad whatever mm -hmm. who knows mm -hmm. the truth of whatever but he seems like an involved dad so you like you want to root for the guy to come around right yeah um so you can be passionate about and have all kinds of superficial things in common but um it won't make a happy relationship at all unless the more fundamental things are covered Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know at this point in my life if I would be satisfied in a relationship uh, if a girl couldn't go to underground shows and record stores with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or at least couldn't enjoy it to an extent. Um, so those are great places to go and hang out and 
and be together and talk about things and you know they're it's a great date i remember henry rollins talking talking about how uh you should go to record stores for dates <laughs> i'm like yes you should because it's awesome you get to learn about their music taste and their interactions with other people in the record store yeah, that's good yeah but um nice yeah dude thanks again yeah I appreciate it always my pleasure always hanging out with you Hot damn, that was a good conversation. Thank you so much for listening. My name has been, has been, and currently is, Hunter Arias, the guy on the other end of the microphone, uh, was Dr. Robert Arias, a neuropsychologist here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I run a record label, shameless plug, here in Lincoln as well, called Shallot Records. I have a studio uh, here in my basement where we focus on particularly analog recording. That means actual reel-to-reel tape machines. So if you are at all interested in recording analog or digital or just want to come play with a bunch of fun music toys, let me know. Uh, Hit us up on shallotrecords at outlook.com email or hit us up on either of our social media pages, Instagram or Facebook, both called Shallot Records. And we'll get you down here in the studio for some quality recording time. Once again, this has been Bees in Your Face, a familial psychology podcast. Thanks again for listening and have a fantastic day.